0: So I was at Alpha the other night. If you haven't heard of Alpha, it's actually really awesome. Basically, it's a weekly gathering where you come together and you start off with a free dinner, which is pretty amazing. I'm all about that as a priest that's always kind of looking for some free food. So you start off with some free dinner, then you get to watch a thought-provoking video that gets you to ask the big questions about life and about faith and then you have some time for open-ended discussion, Uh, just sharing your honest thoughts and your reactions to the video. It's a chance for non-believers and non-Catholic Christians and lifelong Catholics alike to come together and talk about the things that matter the most to us. I highly recommend you get involved and maybe even invite a friend who isn't Catholic. In the video this week, though, at Alpha, there was a testimony from a young man who said that when he was growing up, he wasn't very well behaved. In fact, he said he would regularly steal stuff and he got better and better at not getting caught. He started out small enough, but gradually began to risk stealing bigger and bigger things. And eventually he managed to steal money from his own parents' bank account. And then they found out. They discovered that their own son had done this. And when his parents finally approached him about it, the boy, totally terrified and embarrassed, ran up to his room and he tore everything up in his room and he pushed his bed and his dresser and all of his stuff that he owned up against his bedroom door to create a barricade, thinking all the while through his tears, I'm just trash. Actually, it's, it's a, a British video series, so he said, I'm rubbish. I'm just a bad kid, he said. He was was just consumed with shame and self-hatred. He then heard a gentle knock at the door, and from the other side, his dad said, I need you to know that me and your mom love you. We're just confused, because we don't know what we haven't done for you. We're confused because we don't know what we haven't done for you. This story immediately reminded me of this weekend's first reading from the prophet Isaiah, as well as our gospel parable, which are practically the same exact story, word for word, almost exactly the same. My friend had a vineyard. The first reading starts off. He spaded it, cleared it of stones, and planted the choicest vines. Within it, he built a watchtower and hewed out a winepress. Then he looked for the crop of grapes but what it yielded was wild grapes. Now inhabitants of Jerusalem and people of Judah judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I had not done? God's basically saying exactly what that that dad asked his son. Look, I need you to know that I do love you. I love you unconditionally. You can't ever make me not love you. But I'm confused because I don't know what I haven't done already done for you. After all, God created this beautiful vineyard in which we live. He created this entire world purely out of his sheer goodness and generosity and love. This was a really beautiful fall day. It was an actual real fall day today. Wow. Beautiful. He made that and he made everything and he saw that it was all good. Very, very good. Then when humanity fell into sin, and broke that beautiful world that he had made, even that did not stop him from being generous. He immediately set about to right the wrong, to heal the wound, to redeem us and save us. He established covenants with Noah and with Abraham and Moses and King David. He promised blessing after blessing after blessing to them. He delivered the people out of slavery in Egypt. He gave them a kingdom and swore to David that it would never end. When the people continued to rebel again and again, the Lord didn't quit. He sent prophet after prophet after prophet to them, warning them and calling them to conversion, to return to him. This is exactly what Jesus is referring to in his parable when he says that the landowner repeatedly sends servant after servant into his vineyard, but those, those tenants repeatedly rose up in rebellion. One servant they beat, another they killed, a third they stoned, we read. Countless more servants are then sent into the master's vineyard, only to be treated in the exact same way. Until last of all, at the climax of history... In the fullness of time, God decides to send his son, his only son. They will respect my son, the father says. But as we all know, we, we did not respect the son. We crucified him. He came to his own, and his own received him not. This is the heir, we said. Come, let us kill him and acquire His inheritance. Now, perhaps one might think that that this final betrayal would have broken the camel's back. We killed God's son? Maybe that's the last straw. But it wasn't. Because after we killed the beloved son, God then raised him back to life. The resurrection is real, it is a historical fact. It is living proof that God has done absolutely everything that is necessary for us each to be saved. What more could he have possibly done for us? Well, there is even more, because he also then gave us a church to be members of, and he put a protective hedge around that church, guaranteeing that the gates of hell would never prevail against it. Jesus himself would be the head of this church forever, from his right-hand seat in heaven. He promised that the Pope, in union with all of the bishops, the successors to the apostles, would never officially formally teach heresy or falsehood ever. And so it doesn't really matter what the mainstream media or the newspapers say that the Synod is going to say or do or change. I know I believe, that God will protect his church. But there's even more that God does for us. Through this same church, he gives us his own body and blood to eat and drink. He forgives our sins every time we go to confession. He heals us with oil and with the laying on of hands. He speaks to us through the Holy Scriptures. He sends us saint after saint, in every period of history, in every circumstance, to show us that it is actually possible to be holy. It's hard to be holy, but it's possible. When we look at all of that, when we see this mountain of evidence of what the Lord has gone way out of his way to accomplish for us, we then got to ask, what has he not done? What has he not done for us? What are we still looking for? What will he not do for us, right? What has he not done? Because guess what? He's actually still not finished. He's not done. In our second reading today, St. Paul says this Brothers and sisters, have no anxiety at all. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. That's a really beautiful verse, isn't it? Have no anxiety at all. That's easier said than done. But the Lord offers us even that, to be absolutely free of all worry. Pause and consider that for a moment. What if God really did want to set us free from everything that we're currently anxious and bothered about? Not by simply eliminating pain or deleting suffering, or just fixing our difficult situations, but by helping us to enter into it all with living faith. Just a couple days ago, we had the relics of St. Padre Pio here, and almost 2,000 people walked through to venerate those relics, almost 2,000 people. And you know what Padre Pio always said? Pray, hope, and don't worry. Have no anxiety At all. What if the Lord really could give you a deep interior freedom, a peace of soul and mind that surpasses all worldly understanding? What if he really could teach each of us to surrender and trust him totally and completely? Anxiety is so often a sign that somewhere in our heart anyways, we still don't really believe that God is going to show up that he's not gonna provide what we really need, that he won't work all things for good. As a priest, I I listen to a lot of people's worries and anxieties on a day-to-day basis. Anxiety about kids and grandkids and, and other family members and friends who don't go to church anymore. Anxiety about the direction that the church is going in. Anxiety about the condition of our country, the division and polarization of the violence in our world, the horrible, the horrible attacks in the Holy Land right now. Anxiety about tough family dynamics, about marriage struggles, anxiety about health issues, from broken bones to stage four cancer, anxiety about personal sins, people committing the same acts over and over and over, and they don't seem to be able to see any hope of improvement. St. Paul exhorts you, and he exhorts me as well because I need to hear this too pretty much every five minutes, it seems. Have no anxiety at all. Look at everything God has already done for you and for me both. What more does he need to do to prove his faithfulness? He is working in every circumstance, every single sorrow, every sickness, every failure, every worry that you are going through. He's with you. He's close to you. He always has been. Do you seriously think that he's going to abandon us now? No way. I don't believe that. And neither should you. And so, in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, we make our requests known to God. Ask him for whatever it is that you need. He wants you to ask. He's not cheap and he's not stingy. He's a good father who wants to give good gifts to his children. Go to him in prayer and thanksgiving and pray, Father, Abba, Father, I need help. Abba, Father, I ask for hope. Abba, Father, I want my kids and my grandkids to receive the gift of faith. Father, I I desire guidance with my vocation in life. Father, I want to be a priest. Father, I want to be a religious sister. Father, lead me into a holy relationship. Bring me into a holy and chaste marriage. Father, heal me of my woundedness. Father, strengthen me in temptation. In fact, right now, in the silence of your heart, I would like each of us to very deliberately and clearly make our petitions known to God, make our requests known to Him, to ask our Heavenly Father in heaven for something that is true, honorable, pure, and good. You want to do that? Let's ask God for something. Just in the quiet of your heart, go ahead. Ask your Father for what you need. All we got to do is ask. God is not bothered by our requests. And that is what the young man who stole money from his parents apparently failed to realize. All he had to do was ask, and he would receive what he needed. Instead, he resorted to stealing and hiding and sneaking and grabbing and manipulating. It's what those tenants in the parable failed to realize. They thought that they needed to kill the landowner's son to get the inheritance. But in reality, it was always the plan to include them and share everything with them. Why do, we, why do we think that God's holding out on us? Why do we think we need to scrounge and scrape and grasp if we want to get what we need? Why do we live out of that scarcity mindset? Because all God wants to do, all he wants to do is share the abundance of the son's inheritance with us. Jesus said that beautiful phrase in Luke's Gospel, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's the Father's good pleasure to give us the inheritance. It's the Father's good pleasure to repeatedly prove his love to us over and over and over again. That's why we can can hear those words, have no anxiety, and believe that that can happen to even our hearts. Have no anxiety At all. God is with you, and He has done everything for you.